Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. We get so optimistic at New Year's Day. We, we hear those sad songs. Old Lang Syne is one of the saddest songs. I, 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 it's amazing to me that it's become the New Year's song because it's like 1910, you know, and and everyone who, who originally sang it no longer exists. <laughs> it's just one of those sad songs to me. But, but we do have this eternal optimism unique to humankind. And as you're heading back, many of you may be listening to the show going, I'm trying to return that gift, trying to return that gift, love the gift, want to get, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Nobody wants to hurt anyone's feelings. But here's a little bit of information you may not know. According to the National Retail Federation, little known fact, $173 billion worth of holiday gifts. Now, whenever I hear numbers like that, this is weird. This is how my, my odd brain works. As people are like, gosh, you see so many more weather events. You see so much more crime. It's so much less safe than it was. No. There's 350 million-odd people out there who all have cell phones that, 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 that classify everything. Before, you know, uh, 50 years ago, you may have heard about a tornado that hit somewhere, but now everybody films it, so it looks like there's a lot more stuff happening to us. It looks like it's a lot worse. When I see that number, $173 billion, that seems like a lot. But in 350 million people, eh, it is. It's a lot. But I mean, with Biden inflation, that really would have been about $150 million or $125 billion three years ago. Yeah. National Retail Federation, $173 billion worth of holiday gifts are expected to be returned this year. Why? Experts say holiday sales were at record levels, reaching nearly $1 trillion with a T. $1 trillion. Bidenomics, baby. Is it because people bought more or because it was more expensive? I don't know. We'll let the experts chew on that one for a while. If you're heading back to the stores today to return things, here's what to keep in mind. The good news, some stores are still offering Christmas deals, hoping that'll lead to an exchange rather than a return. But if you have to return items, hopefully you have a receipt. Also check the fine print because why? Because why? Because some retailers have started adding fees and deadlines. In some cases, you can return items in-store even though you may have purchased them from a retailer online. A lot of retailers offer longer return windows. So even if an item was brought in, say, November, it can be returned through mid-January. So you still have a little bit of extra time beyond, beyond that usual 15- to 30-day window. According to Amazon, most of the items, other than Apple brand products, purchased between November 1st and December 31st can be returned January until January 31st of 2024. For Apple... You purchase between that time. You have to do it by the 15th. So the largest, most successful company in the history of mankind that has, I don't know, $3 trillion in, 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 in I don't even know, just an obscene amount. I remember I couldn't almost give Apple stock away in the early 2000s for a buck seventy-eight a share. Now the most profitable company in the history of mankind. But you have to return everything by January 15th because Apple is fragile. It's a very fragile, most successful company in history of mankind. Americans were expected to spend $30 billion on gift cards. According to the National Retail Federation, restaurant gift cards are the most popular, one-third of the sales. Most of those gift cards will be redeemed. Patronics, which tracks restaurant gift cards, says around 70% of gift cards are used within six months. 
So of the $30 billion, $21 billion worth of it, roughly used in the first six months. But many cards, tens of billions of worth of cards, wind up forgotten. Then that, then that, so it's a great, if you have, you know, restaurant of Chad, so Chad's restaurant, and I send out and, and people pay a million dollars for my gift cards. I only probably have to cough up $700,000 worth of food and entertainment, which is already, Jack, because I have to build my profit into that. So think about that. So gift cards are amazingly, imagine if you make 30% profit on every gift card you sell just by virtue of the fact that you sold it. That's why the life of gift cards gets more complicated with expiration dates and inactivity fees that vary by state. So if you don't use it in a certain time, you lose some of the value of it. Gift cards get lost or forgotten, or recipients hang on to them for special occasions. In July, a survey from the consumer finance company Bankrate found that 47% of U.S. adults had at least one unspent gift card or voucher. I think I have a Best Buy card that has a balance of like $1.28 on it from years ago. The average value of unused gift cards is $187 per person for a total of $23 billion. So the average, remember when Dale Falwell, uh, Treasury Secretary of the State of North Carolina, who's running for governor, he is urging you to go to nccash.com. He always said we have like $7 billion worth of worth unclaimed money from citizens here in North Carolina and elsewhere. But you go to nccash.com, you enter your information. Heck, you can enter your, your relative's information, your neighbor's information, and it'll pop up and say, hey, there's some stuff available for you. But imagine this, that we have an uh, average citizen. You look around, $187 per person, $23 billion unused. Under a federal law that went into effect in 2010, a gift card cannot expire for five years from the time it was purchased or from the last time someone added money to it. Some state laws require an even longer period, like New York. Any gift card purchased after December 10th of last year, of actually last year, cannot expire for nine years. If you have a gift card you don't want, one option is to sell it to a site like Card Cash or Raise, R-A-I-S-E, uh, some of those sites won't give you face value for the cards, but they still give you about 70 or 80 cents. So if you have a gift card, you don't want to use it. You go to a website, they'll give you 70, 80% of the value of the card. Things you didn't know. Just things you didn't know. So all 50 states and D.C. have unclaimed property programs. I mentioned that to the one here in North Carolina. It's called nccash.com. So if you've, you're out there today, be aware. Someplace, what I love now, I shop at, I love warehouse clubs. I'm, I'm a junkie. I'll admit it. I like to go to one place where I can get like everything at once in bulk and get home. The neat thing about that, that I love about that is they have an app and on the app, I never have to go through a checkout line. Not, not even the, like the grocery store, you know, now we've, we're replacing cashiers with do, do the, we, it's one of the greatest things in American retail PT Barnum ism is, is now that we have convinced most Americans to check themselves out. So they do the work for the store to check out and then go on their merry way. Now, I happen to like it because I, yeah, I check it out, take my watch, tap it on the screen. I'm paid. I'm out the door. But really, it's kind of tricked me into them not doing the work for me. Now, if it resulted in some kind of great savings, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Save some money. Save some money and not have to, you know, not have to work as much. But it doesn't. So... Like I said, I heard a comedian over the over the break. He said, "Look, Walmart's taking some kind of time off to give the two cashiers because <laughs> they only have like two cashiers these days." But the app at the warehouse clubs, or at least the one I go to, and I guess I can say it, it's Sam's. And when I go to that warehouse club, I just use my app. I scan everything in my cart. I walk out the door. 
They check my items. That's it. I don't have to go through a line. It's one, Even when I fill up with gas, I do the same thing. Just click on the pump and fill up, and I'm gone. And I like that. I, I don't like waiting in line. It's one of, When I get to the end of my life, I'm going to think, God, I spent a year and a half of my life in line somewhere. You can calculate it up sometime. Back of the envelope, start thinking, how much time do I spend in lines? And then you add the Disney vacations and any theme park you've been to, any state fair you've been to. And you add up, and it's just an obscene amount of time. I'm, 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 <laughs> I, I love the way media asserts things and says things. And it, and it says it in a way that, look, I'm a conservative talk show host, right? So I tell you, hey, I'm a conservative. Uh, that is my bias. I challenge my bias frequently. Was I uh, Even the John Tamney piece about immigration challenged my belief in immigration, what's going on. I think he made some good points, but I like having a healthy disagreement. It's how we grow. If you, if you read anything about our U.S. history, there were a lot of disagreements. But I still think the framers, founders were way ahead of their time and why they have such a lasting legacy. It's, it's kind of like Shakespeare. If you're a fan and I am, I'm still a fan of Shakespeare. Love it. I mean, Richard the third, one of the greatest pieces of all time. And, but these Shakespearean dramas, the reason they are so persistent as part of the human psyche, making its way into movies, the storylines are Shakespearean. You see them today. A lot of your rom-cons are Shakespearean. A lot of your tragedies are very Shakespearean, but that's because even though it's 400 years old, it's, it captures something about the way we are as humans. It, it captures our emotional angst. It captures the way we enter, the way we relate to others. And so uh, the news media, you know, looking at these things, it loves to take stuff and, and, and make something out of it that I don't, I don't think it's as lasting. I don't think our news media day is going to be as lasting as like, Shakespeare was, or the founders. The founders, the reason they were so great is because they understood human nature too, and so they set aside these these wide-sweeping viewpoints of humans and the relationship to their creator and the rights that they had therein, and that's what stands the test of time. When you try to monkey with it enough, you start getting these strange rationalizations where a lot of progressives think that they understand the Constitution, then they really don't, because they don't understand it's a that, that the Constitution is a warning about large government. It's not the embrace of it. It's a warning. It's a cautionary tale because they well knew the British Empire and the size of government there was bad. And yet liberals will say, you conservatives don't ever read the Constitution. Oh, contraire. We understand it. We understand it's a limitation on what government can do, not the opposite. Now, when I'm reading this piece, and it's at MSNBC, and I, I find you know Michael Cohen, an MSNBC columnist, wrote the piece. So as I'm reading it, I, I'm, I'm couching that a little bit. Um, not Michael Cohen, not the lawyer that you're, you've heard of from Donald Trump's uh, fame. But this is, he's saying that when the history books are written, 2023 will be remembered as the year of Taylor Swift. No, my 11-year-old daughter has not taken over my computer, though she did contribute to this. The Swift Eras Tour, which began earlier this year, has played 66 sold-out audiences across the U.S. and grossed more than $1 billion. On secondary markets, fans are paying thousands of dollars for even the worst seats in the house. Her very presence in a new city creates a mini economic boom. According to one estimate from Question Pro Research, Swifties spend approximately $93 million per show on everything from tickets to travel to lodging to food and merchandise. By the end of the tour, she will amount to a $5.7 billion jolt to the U.S. economy. Now, the interesting thing there is the pretense is that this is where I, I love left-leaning economic looks at things, that that $5.7 billion would not have been spent 
in activities of a similar nature. In other words, the $5.7 billion spent by people wouldn't have been spent but for her. And that's just not true. A lot of that is money that people plan to spend on travel. They plan to spend it on entertainment. They plan to spend it on other things. They just happen to spend it on that event. And I'll tell you why that's important in a minute. If, if Taylor Swift were an economy, claims Dan Fleetwood, president of Question Pro, she'd be bigger than 50 countries. Again, the, the, it's I'll keep going. Therefore, that's all about before Swift released her concert film, which already grossed $250 million globally. And it's which means it's competing with all the other films and 250 million went that way. Dollars aside, her cultural impact might be just as significant. There are now 10 college courses dedicated to the study of Swiftology, including one at Harvard. Now, does that's kind of an indictment against colleges, isn't it? That's not an affirmation of the greatness of colleges. Well, I, I gotta talk more about it. I don't want to belabor this, but I definitely want to to speak to this more, and we will on the other side of the break. So we'll talk about what the allegation is that that Taylor Swift could save the Biden presidency. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? We appreciate you listening and being a part of the audience. I know it's it's kind of a, a calm before the storm that will be 2024. It, it is. There's no other way. to Politically speaking, 2024 is going to be a tectonic year. And people say, oh, this is the most important election in the history of the country. Well, in many ways, every election is and isn't. Uh, the, the republic goes on. How strong it is, that depends on you. The, the, the degree of apathy, the degree of anger, the degree of hope, those three things, you mix it in the soup, and depending on the recipe, any one of those three can make it more hopeful, less hopeful, more of a distraction, less of a distraction, more harmful, less harmful. So we're talking about Taylor Swift, speaking of harmful or helpful, and I'm not putting her down. I will say some things about her politics here that I believe will make sense and be respectable. Uh, there's no doubt that her music has captured the hearts and minds of a generation. Her songwriting abilities, very talented musician, very talented young woman, someone who's had a tremendous impact. I mean, people have tried to quantify that by saying, hey, look, her economic impact is more powerful than 50 countries on the planet Earth. $5.7 billion jolt for the economy. That's all before her album, her uh, concert film got released. This grossed $250 million. Dollars aside, her cultural impact might be just as significant. College courses dedicated to studying Swiftology. Again, I think that undermines. This is from MSNBC. Michael Cohen's got a piece up. But this is but having college courses taught about pop stardom should be relegated to kind of cultural things. Not in do you, do you at Harvard is teaching a course. I mean, Harvard's not exactly the place you want to quote as as a, as, as a beacon of hope for the country, but that it teaches a course. After she started dating Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey, there was even a marked increase in television viewership of Chiefs games. And that was almost comical in a way. It wasn't that they felt the Chiefs would do better or worse. It was just to see what she would do. And she acted like a young woman. I mean, nothing 
wrong with that, but her reaction to things and her boyfriend even faking getting hit in the end zone was hysterical. More than half of Americans count themselves as Swift fans. In a recent NBC polls, she had the highest favorability rating of any person tested. A 40 over 16 positive negative rating that puts her above the president and the former president and every other major political figure in the country. Come on, big surprise there. She's an entertainer. There are cheeses that have higher favorability ratings than the president. In naming her the person of the year, Time Magazine called Swift the master storyteller of the modern era. In short, it's Taylor Swift's world, and we're all living in it. But one question about Swift's influence remains unknown. Can she impact American politics? Here's my thought on that. Now, obviously, she's a lefty. I mean, she is. Most entertainers are, especially most young, idealistic entertainers that don't know a lot about politics or the world. I mean, Swift lives in a bubble. I mean, though we're living in her world in some ways, she's not living in ours. Then that's the irony that never gets picked up by these. And the wishful thinking here is that Swift is going to come out, get on Team Biden, and going to bring him in. That's the, the column is she's so powerful, and so many people will look at her and admire her for uh, going with Team Biden that they'll vote. They'll, they'll vote for an 81-year, 82-year-old man because Taylor Swift told them to. It just doesn't work that way. And, and to give you some uh, perspective, um, the Beatles, and people forget about this, the Beatles, when they were out there, at, at one point were, were generating about $650 a second, $650 a second in today's money for the British economy. They are, they are credited at one point in saving the British economy because they're, in, they're economic. The, the people spending money on the Beatles rather than other artists, I guess, and Beatlemania other than other artist mania. So the Beatles had that kind of impact. Now, politically... It's interesting to see how people describe the Beatles as being left-leaning or right-leaning. And in one, one th- great interview that Paul McCartney had said, well, actually, we were really capitalists because, I mean, one point John looked at Paul and said, let's write ourselves a swimming pool because they could just write anything and turn it into money. They, they were capitalists. And, and they did, and John Lennon did use his influence to try to push the peace movement. And McCartney ran off and wrote a billion love songs. So that being the case, this thing of ascribing – uh, political prowess to prog- progressive storytellers like Taylor Swift is, I think, missing the boat. And, and it's so funny. There was an in, um, there was a, 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 a she's from Tennessee, so she endorsed you know uh, Re- Representative Jim Cooper and former Governor Phil Breslin in his Senate race against Marsha Blackburn. They they didn't win. Instagram post. She said Blackburn's voting record in Congress appalls and terrifies me for voting against equal pay for women. Stuff like that. So uh, her motivations are probably – she's very idealistic. She's very young, and her politics reflect a, a huge crevasse of understanding. Now, does that mean that people will listen to her? When she comes out and says, I want you to vote for Joe Biden. I'm Taylor Swift. Haters got to hate, 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 hate. And you're going to run out and ju- re- vote for Biden. I, I don't think that's the case. And and one of the most telling things is when you start seeing these interviews with her, um, you can see – that she really isn't that deep on issues. Phenomenal songwriter, not taking anything away from her talent. She, she, could, she could sing the phone book and probably make it another million dollars. But she, there was an emotional exchange with her parents on a, 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 and, uh, in a film where she got upset about stuff. She, she, was run, she was upset about uh, Tennessee Christian values. She said, I live in Tennessee. I'm a Christian. That's not what we stand for. It was about uh, gay marriage or something of that no- notion. But I remember seeing that and thinking, this is a young, idealistic woman that doesn't understand the issues that she's coming. She was crying. She, she wasn't just bemoaning. She was literally crying. She was in tears about Marsha Blackburn. 
and 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 she's ashamed that she didn't speak out against Trump in 2016. And then they compare her to Oprah Winfrey in this column. Since her 2018 Tennessee endorsement, Swift has not shied away from politics. In October 2020, she tweeted her support for Biden's presidential bid. She said he is the change we need most is to elect a president who recognizes that people of color deserve to feel safe and represented, that women deserve the right to choose what happens to their bodies, and that LGBTQIA plus community deserves to be acknowledged and included. That's the same reason she says you need to support Biden. Now, I don't think that's going to shift the electorate. If it is, it says a lot about where Americans are right now or where we're not. But as as we get to the top of the hour, we're, we'll head and find There's a lot of other things to, to talk about. And it, yeah, the weird thing about that is, is that um, is that she she is a, a remarkable entertainer. But but we don't make our decision. I when when you're looking out there, you don't make your decision at your kitchen table economics because Taylor Swift tells you if you do, there's something larger wrong. And again, I'm not putting her down. And that's great that maybe a bunch of 25 year olds may think that what does Taylor Swift know about politics that I don't know? It's kind of a weird logic, but I don't think, you know, already this cycle and Instagram post directed at Swift's 272 million followers on the importance of registering to votes led to a spike in voter registrations. And Swift's influence alone could bring more Democratic leaning voters to the polls. It's also not hard to imagine that a Swift endorsement of Biden along with campaign appearances or even ads on his behalf could influence a legion of voters. Remember in 2020, Joe Biden won Arizona and Georgia by around 11,000 voters and Wisconsin by 20,000. Next year's margin of victory could come down to a handful of states. If Swift's endorsement brings just a fraction of her supporters, it could change the outcome. At the very least, it's difficult to see how it would hurt the 81-year-old incumbent to appear on the campaign trail with a 33-year-old superstar. As long as he doesn't hug her and sniff her, right? So if he doesn't hug her and sniff her, maybe. But the issue is, she's not. It's not that she's for Joe Biden as much as she's against Republicans. So it's and it's it's it calls into question the old Winston Churchill thing, where you say, and if Churchill would say, if if a young person, a twenty year old, isn't a liberal, a progressive liberal, then that person has no heart. If that same person at the age of forty isn't conservative, they have no brain, and it 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 is an issue. For her, and I'm not being me. It's not disrespectful. Look, I can appreciate her music and disagree with her politics. I think that they're just young. I think that she's insulated. I think she is as insulated from the real world as Joe Biden is. You know, right now when 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 you're looking at the Joe Biden interviews, and even the the guy made an offhand remark when he said, "Hey, would you like to make a comment about the economy?" and he said. Look at look at the facts. Go look at the facts. Well, when people look at the facts, they realize it's not going that well. The kitchen table economics are not that well for Team Biden. But he lives in as as, as I've said on this show, as I said on the show when I hosted last week uh, for Winterville, that that he he lives in this fabricated world where they keep telling him what he wants to hear. Maybe he can't handle the truth. Maybe in his mind, the truth just isn't it isn't worth upsetting him. Because he's blaming his staff for his bad poll numbers. But to think, now I want you to think about this, friend. You look at immigration and, and the, the, the crisis that that is. You look at the foreign policy debacles that is the relative safety of the planet right now. 
the entire transmigration of, of, of ships that can't go through the Red Sea. They're worried about Houthi rebels, the situation with Hezbollah in Lebanon, the situation um, the, the situation in Israel, the situation, even the Europeans, uh, the Ukrainian, uh, the, 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 there's just no front. So you, what you have to say is all of those things, we now know three years of Biden, heading into four years of Biden, what that looks like. Before we didn't. A lot of people said, oh, well, we'll get rid of Trump. Everything will calm down. It'll be a lot calmer. They didn't anticipate the Hunter. The Hunter story was buried. The laptop story was spiked by media. There were so many other things that were completely messed up that there was just no way it was going to happen. There was just no way that, that you know, they didn't know. They're like, oh, well, it's bad with Trump, so we'll make it great with Biden, and, and he won't be Trump, and then things will calm down. And it was just the opposite effect. It's clearly that clear that many, unfortunately for him, many of the instances where he kind of looks lost on stage, many instances where he kind of gets lost in his own messaging, either because he's he's so dependent on the teleprompter that he can't wander off script, or he's he's been told to stay on the teleprompter. When he does, he can't he can't, can't recalculate that. This is not a presidency that's driven by an intellectual depth. It's not driven by the depth of his team, his staff. It's not driven by policy accomplishments. And it, in many ways, is driven by the legacy of the spendthrift Congress. By the way, the same Congress. So all of the problems that he claimed he wanted to solve, remember, he was in elected office. And now we realize, gosh, he was part of the, he's part of the D.C. swamp. It has been. And I'm not, I'm not talking about people like me. We knew what that was. But a lot of Americans didn't realize, wow, you, you promoted a guy that was from the swamp, and you expected something different, unswampy? You expected something to be unswampy? So I don't think any of us are surprised at where we, we are. But anyway, we're getting ready to head into hour three of this wonderful excursion into broadcast excellence with our good friend Pete Callender. It's a pleasure and honor to sit here in his chair during this small break here at Newstalk 1110-993. And when we do, so some of the things we're going to come back to that, that I want to get to is, you know, and I don't want to I don't want to beat any dead horses. We now know yet more. Uh, the New York Post has a, a beautiful article about the fact that charter schools have been successful. Don't know that we'll get to that. But also that we, we have uh, yet, you know, some observations on parents that still mask their kids through all the mess that's going on. Uh, we have a, a number of issues. Parent, what about single parent families? Where are we in society on that? Much more to go. But right now, got to kick things at the top of the hour. Keith Young and many more things. So, Keith, take it away from here, man. 